Yeah, hi everybody. Um, thanks, Ben, for asking me uh, to share my story. And it's great to see you all. Um, so yeah, I'm Christine. I'm an alcoholic and I'm an adult child. And um, yeah, hi. Um, I I was born into a very dysfunctional family, and I was raised by two adult children. Both of them were highly traumatized. My dad was sexually abused and he was the adult child of an alcoholic and a um, very cruel male hating mom who I would describe as a sadist, really. And my mom, who is the alcoholic, um, is the daughter of a very cold mom and a bipolar dad. And what I experienced as a child was um, sexual abuse by my mom, not by my dad, alcoholism, chaos, um, neglect. I, I think at the age of two, I was done. I was surviving. Um, I was already then quite often left on my own devices. Um, and there was an outside world that made it very difficult for other people to see what was really going on. We were quite a wealthy family. My dad was a businessman. There was a Jaguar E-Type in front of the house. Um, there was always enough money and there was not much of what I would have needed as a little kid. Um, my parents separated when I was just about to go to school. And at that time, I already learned how to dissociate. So I was hiding myself behind my eyes. I learned that food can give me comfort. I learned that fantasizing helps me to escape from, from a place where I could not escape. Um, and I, I learned that I can find my way from the kindergarten home. I think it was like two and a half kilometers and my mom just forgot to pick me up. I learned how to buy food in the shop without having money. Um, and I learned how to buy friends. And I think that was very irritating for them because probably they would have liked me anyway, but I didn't feel likable. Um, and I was already acting out in a way that was also hurting others. So in, already in primary school, I started stealing stuff. 
because I, I thought they would make me happy. Like I, I have stolen some watercolors, um, which I really wanted so badly, but my mom would not buy them for me. So I, I stolen them. And I learned to, to act in, in different personas. So I was the one who was most upset about the watercolors that been stolen, even though they were in my house. Um, so I was somehow surviving, and I, I learned how to switch off my feelings, and also to switch off reality in a way, because I think otherwise the whole scenario would have driven me crazy. That's what I learned. Um, and I don't know whether it was because my mom was an alcoholic, so alcohol was always present at home, that I became an alcoholic, or whether it was um, something I found out myself, I've got no idea. But I started drinking at the age of 12. And from the first time, I was always a blackout drinker and rarely drank different to that. Um, it was just that um, the gaps between drinking and not drinking became shorter. That's the only thing that changed. Um, and, and it, it really worked for me for a very long time because it did something for me I could not do for my, by myself. It gave me ease because I was tensed up, like physically tensed up all the time. It gave me some feeling of comfort and also I was somebody who was very controlled, always high-functioning. High and when I did have a drink, I stopped controlling myself. And I think even though the alcohol was in me, I was more myself than when I didn't drink. Because I then showed my feelings. I then shared about what's really going on at home. Um, what I usually didn't do. Um, and it also somehow helped me to be um, fearless because otherwise I would, it was not that I was fearful, it was that I was fear. Like the fear was like so much ingrained in my body, in my persona. I had fear all the time. Um, my mom also was very suicidal, and and I had that feeling that she was as a kid. And I once called my dad um, because I thought my mom had locked her in in her work room and killed herself because I was knocking on the door and nobody answered. So I thought she killed herself, and I called my dad. He came over, 
and um, smashed the door, but nobody was inside. So she, she was just drunk and had forgotten to tell me that she's leaving. However, um, when I saw my mom last time, that is, I think two months ago, she told me that she actually did commit suicide, or she, it was an attempt, and my stepfather at the time um, found her and took her to a hospital. And that was a big secret. I didn't know about it. Nobody spoke about it. And I think my, my, what my stepdad did was that he blamed me and my sister that it was our fault that my mom felt so bad because we were misbehaving. And that now, because we are so bad, um, she had to go to the hospital. Um, my mom kicked me out when I was 15 and a half. And she said, like, I can't handle this. Um, and either your dad will, will give you um, a home or you will be a foster child. So I moved to my dad, and it was just coming from chaos into a fridge. It wasn't better, it was just different. Um, I continued drinking, I continued acting out, um, and, and that worked really long. Um, the consequences became worse, and um, I moved to Berlin, and in Berlin, I really, really hit rock bottom. And I came into the rooms of AA in 1996. Um, but part of my story also is that I just I couldn't stay sober, so I relapsed twice. And looking back now is because um, I couldn't find a solution for the root causes of my drinking. I had solutions for how to stay sober, um, but at that time in, in Berlin, people didn't work steps in German meetings, so we somehow a group of young people tried to work the NA steps. Um, sharing it. I never had a sponsor. It was, I don't know, I think somehow we we still white-knuckled it and, and I was not in a spiritual program at that time. So my sober date is um, the 5th of December 2016 and since then um, things changed. I came into a different kind of meeting um, I first went to an English-speaking meeting and the guy I was talking to said, well, to go to meetings and not working the steps is like going to hospital but not taking the medicine. And I related very much to that. Um, but then in Berlin in 2016, there were meetings where people did sponsor, where people did work steps. And I walked into a room um, I think on the 6th or 7th of December in the evening and I was blown away by what I found there. It was like 
I opened the door and I entered love. It was amazing. It was different. And I had a wonderful sponsor who really loved me into the AA program. By that time, I was already in Elanon, working the Elanon steps, because um, I couldn't I couldn't manage my life. I, it was complete chaos in my own family. So at that time, I had two daughters. Um, I was a single mom, and being being an ACA, I passed the disease on to my kids. And my older daughter wasn't well at all. And um, it was really, really bad. We were totally enmeshed with each other. It was it was horrible and I and I didn't know how to how to handle that. So I was already in Alanon, I was already working the Alanon steps. I think I entered the rooms of Alanon in in spring. Yeah, it was spring, March. 2016, and being in step six and seven, I had to admit to myself that I'm still an alcoholic. So I stopped working the Elanon steps and started working the AA steps. Um, and, and that was a good foundation for um, the journey I went on. So I, I, Finished working the steps in in AA. Um, I went back to my old um, Alanon sponsor and finished working the Alanon steps. But still, there was something where I felt like I can't touch it. Like working the steps doesn't get into the core of my problem. Um, and, and a friend of mine from an English-speaking meeting suggested to me to go to an ACA meeting. So I went to ACA in 2017, and I just went to meetings. And I shared, and I connected with other ACAs. Um, by that time, meditation was a very big part of my um, recovery journey, and uh, and sometimes when I was sitting in stillness, there would be yeah something like an inner voice or a voice talking to me. That is how I got this haircut because it it said shave off your hair, and I was like what? <laughs> it was super scary. Um, and then, and I did research, like, what is the spiritual meaning um, in different religions, and what does it mean? Thanks, acknowledged. Um, and it it was a huge step to find myself be true. It was a game changer for myself. Before I had long blonde hair, and I was always like this pretty nicey nice girl and that is a part of me but that's not me um, and today it's it's very important what you see is what you get this is me
Um, and, and a few months later, this boy said, go to London. And I didn't even know why. Um, and I, so I, I traveled to London in, in March 2018 and in May 2018. And I knew I had to be there. And I had no clue why. And then I moved to London. Like I sold almost all my stuff. And my sponsor was like, this is good. We have to lose almost everything to find ourselves. It's a good spiritual journey. And it was a very good spiritual journey. Because as an ACA in London, I found something I never found in Germany. It was a certain kind of gentleness, kindness. Um, I found different kind of meetings, and um, and I also started working the ACA steps with a fellow traveler who was based in Germany, funny enough. And, and I think before I had something like a shell around me. I had something that was very harsh and cold and it was my way to protect my vulnerability and what working the ACA steps and connecting with my inner child and I was already doing inner child work like for ages <laughs> really for a long time even when I wasn't sober I was doing um, inner child work. Um, um, but somehow, all that what was protecting me melted away. And that environment in, in London helped me to feel safe. Um, so that was a really big step. In, in my recovery, and I learned a lot about myself. And, and the wounds and, and all these carryovers, what, what was still with me, how, how I still protected myself, how I was still running away from intimacy. Um, up to today, I can say I never had a romantic relationship that was not uh, dominated by abandonment. My dad was so absent, I had no idea of what, what is an intimate relationship. But I also did not have any idea of what is dignity. I would throw my dignity in front of your feet and I would acknowledge allow you to step on it. And I would still beg you to love me. Um, and it was painful to see that. It was painful to see how I passed the disease on to my kids, how I hurted my kids, even though I love them so dearly. But due to my unskillfulness and, and the untreated ACA, that is what I did. Um, 
older daughter is not talking to me till today. And I totally understand that. I didn't talk to my mom for a very long time. But part of my recovery journey is also that I made amends to my mom. And I was really able to forgive her. And she's sober now for 30 years. Um, and I also made amends to my dad. Um, and today I can say I really have a good, loving relationship with my mom. And I did have that relationship with my dad, who died last year. But he died as an untreated ACA. He was a wealthy man, and when he died, he was poor. Um, and all along, I always thought that probably the abuse was the worst thing that happened to me, or the neglect, or the abandonment. Today, I can say, like I do the third round of trauma therapy now. And now I can say the worst thing for myself was the loneliness. That I was lonely all the time. Nobody was ever there to see my pain, to comfort me, to be by my side. And that is what I would have loved to have the most. And that is also something that is so super scary. So, um, but today I do have tools, and and I can I can grow. And sometimes it's super scary, and sometimes I still use things that are damaging to myself because I'm so scared of feelings. I would love to tell you all like, ah, this is it. I've worked the steps in ACA and in AA, and now I'm happy, joyous, and free. I'm the most happy, joyful, and free person I can be today. And sometimes feelings do scare the shit out of me, and I'm sitting in my kitchen smoking a shisha. That is then the best and less scary, less self-harming thing I can do. And that's okay because it's not a mind-altering substance. I know it won't be forever. And it, it and I know it damaged me, but it helps me also. And someday I will be able to just put that down as well. But feelings are still scary sometimes. But I, I'm more myself I've ever been. I think I'm a loving person. I can express my needs, what I want, my boundaries. And I'm willing to grow more and to learn more. And, um, and I'm willing to And one of the biggest gifts of my um, recovery is that I um, reconnected with my creativity. And that is beautiful. I write and I and I do performances and I improvise. At the moment, I do a clowns course, and my inner child loves that. Um, and I show up for myself and for my journey. And sometimes, when when things just when I'm not able to embody them, to own them. Yeah. 
I tattoo them on my body first and they do the trick. Um, and that is part of being myself, to find myself be true. That's what I need to do. Um, and even though it probably sounded a bit sad, I feel today I can say it's thank you. Um, it's a joyful, super adventure, and it's worth it. And I work my ass off for my recovery. And I'm showing up every day to the best of my abilities. And that's all I can do. And today I can say I'm not a victim anymore. I'm responsible. And I take responsibility for my life, for my well-being, and to be a good person in the world the best way I can. Um, and sometimes people are angry about my decisions. And today I can stand that. And I don't feel that this is the end of the relationship or this is the end of love. It's just someone angry and not happy with my decision and that's totally okay. Thanks for letting me share.